0: Welcome to the Let's Talk About Talking podcast with your host, Adrian Fuller, language and communications expert for kids of all ages. On this podcast, we talk about speech, language, and all things happening with your child, giving you specific tactical information you can use to help your kids talk, listen, and thrive in their academic journey. Good afternoon. It's happy Friday. I'm going to chalk it up to a storm and Friday, friends. It's Miss A, the SLP, Adrienne Fuller, speech language pathologist. I'm so happy that we are at the end of the week. We're located in Central Florida and we have weathered yet another hurricane in November. Prayerfully, we were closed two days, but... Everyone is safe, no damage from anyone that I've heard from in our camp. So that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I am so excited today about two things. Number one is I do wanna let you know that I am hosting a webinar for parents next Thursday evening at 8 p.m. The link is in my bio. Three things that you can do to get your child talking. This is gonna be 20 minutes. I just want to share things that are on my heart and just let you know that you're not alone in this journey. So join me sign up for the webinar. Let's have a good time. Bring your questions and we'll get to it. I am happy to say that I am joined by kind of one of my favorite people. I'm like a low-key fan. Her name is Tay Jones and she's going to because... We've been talking about things that parents can do to get their kids talking. And I think she is one person that is a, like a game changer in the field. Tay, welcome.
1: Thank you. I
0: am, Hi. I am so glad to meet you and put eyes on you, as people say. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> I am happy to put eyes on you as well. And I'm happy to hear that everyone is safe in your camp and that you all have weathered yet another storm in November at that. It's so unusual.
0: And you know what? Just let's, let's keep it real for just a second. I'm a private practice owner. And I'm like, we were already closed three days last month. Our kids weren't already getting services. So it's yeah. always like, you know, what do you do? But we're safe. And that's the most important thing. Yes, yes. It's so good. Good to hear. You are a speech-language pathologist, as I am, too. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Everybody who's listening, she is an author of an amazing book called Liam's First Cut. Um, and that is a book with, I, I just forgot to uh, grab a copy. Hang on a second. <laughs> that is a book with an African-American lead who has <laughs> he's also- autistic. <laughs> And so and he's there also this his first hair. There it is. Look at that. <laughs> I love so many things about this book. I love that every we're represented in this book. I uh, and I love that kids of all backgrounds can see a character that looks like Liam.
1: Yes, yes. Um Thank you so much for your support of the book. And um, thank you, I see speaking right from the heart. Thank you that you love the book. I, um, I wrote this book because I felt like there weren't stories that I saw. They probably existed, but that I saw that told about a little boy going to the barbershop for the first time getting that haircut and they were not sharing that story from the lens of a black family and Mm -hmm. how important barbershops are to our communities and how special that relationship is between a dad and his son and that routine, that ritual that begins to happen when dads get up on those Saturday mornings to go get that haircut at the barbershop and the little boys wanna come along too. And as I was starting to think about this story and develop it, I talked to so many men who remember going with their dads and then men who could not wait to be able to take their own sons. And it was such a special moment in a lot of lives. And I felt like this story hasn't been told, at least not told from this perspective. So I, I um, I took a stab at it and I'm really happy at what the book has done and what it's meant to so many families so far.
0: Absolutely. You know, when I see the book and The subject matter, I don't know if you remember or you even saw this post. There was a post with this young African-American boy in a hair in a barbershop. But Mm he was having a real meltdown because he didn't. Yes. Do you remember that?
1: Absolutely. Everybody shared that video with me. Um, and the barber was standing up with him, like moving wherever he needed to go. Is that the one you're
0: talking about? That one, but no. And the boy was like having a full-blown tantrum. But then like the comments were like, oh, he needs to be put in his place. But he was just oh. happy. You that one.
1: No, no.
0: That was the inspiration for that. Because some of our kids have real challenges and mm-hmm. haircuts are a special moment especially in our community. Mm-hmm. But if the child has any sensory issues, mm-hmm. I think this book is also a great teaching tool for the barber, the families, because yeah. it can be really traumatic for kids if if they have like the noise can be too much for them. Mm-hmm. You, Do you have you ever had that experience? Can you talk to parents about that? Because I don't think it's always understood. And it's more like, this kid needs a spanking, or this kid, and that's not what they need at all. No, it's not what they need. And um, you know, sensory processing
1: integration, that's not my ministry. That's not my specialty. But I am a person who has worked with those types of children who have those difficulties. I'm a mom of a child who has those difficulties with processing all the sensory information that comes towards them. And a lot of times these kids get labeled as, um, not listening, they they don't they just need to sit still, they're carrying on. And it's not that. It's that they're actually having a hard time reacting to everything that's occurring in their environment. And you don't have to have an actual diagnosis to have these types of difficulties. You don't have to be autistic. You could just be scared to go to the barber shop because you've never gone before and now someone's coming towards you with these sharp tools, wanting to put them towards your body in your space. Um, A few years back, I cut my hair off really short. And um, I went to a barber to do it. And I remember feeling very nervous as he came towards me with the clippers. And I knew that I wasn't going to get injured. I knew on a cognitive level that I was safe, but I still felt very afraid to have this barber cut my hair with these sharp tools. So um, when you think about that as an adult person and you consider what how scary it could be to any child, I really wanted this story to one, like you said, educate barbers, educate families, but also normalize that experience because Sometimes it's just a matter of not knowing what to expect and not knowing how to handle it. So when a child is able to read a story like this and see what the expectations will be, see what they're going to encounter, it definitely does make a difference. I've heard from so many parents that, In reading this book before going to the barbershop, it helped their child be able to handle that process. It helped them to be able to navigate what to expect. There was less of um, turmoil in preparing even to go to the barbershop. And then they had a better conversation with the barber himself or herself when they actually started the process of getting the haircut. So it, it is very common it's not necessarily an indication that there's something wrong with your child, but I think we just need to listen and understand that it's scary when someone's coming towards you, your body, your space with something that's totally unfamiliar. And then when you add in the fact that you might have difficulties with loud sounds or or um, the feeling of that vibration of the clippers, when you add those things on top of it, it's a whole other issue.
0: I really appreciate you saying, Tay, you don't need a diagnosis because I am ai work with special needs kids all the time. So automatically, that's where my head is going to go. And sometimes that's where our parents' heads go. But sometimes white mm-hmm. right, kids are just afraid. And it's okay to stop in our busy lives to cover this. For for a parent, it's like, hey, we, yeah. do, this. Hey, we do this. But it's their first haircut. So mm-hmm. well, well said. I really appreciate that. Thank um, you. Yeah. Where did your love of books and reading come from? Um, so I am the parent
1: of an educator, so books were always around, always being read to me. Um, but I actually f- fell back in love with books, I would say, as a speech language pathologist working with children, and because. I already had a library at my own home that I was building for my daughters that I wanted to, you know, read with them. Um, I started bringing books to work with me and using them in my sessions and really realizing that it was a nice way to break up the monotony of some of my sessions where I felt like it was just the same old, same routine, the same activities, bringing in books and doing a craft or building a whole lesson around a book was a great idea. Um, And then I started falling in love with picture books because (laughs) even though they're made for children, they have such great messages for adults, kids of all ages. And um, I was seeing that they were exposing kids to different experiences that they weren't having. But the issue that I found, or I guess you could say that what started to be alarming to me was that there weren't enough books that were showing different types of experiences, different types of characters. So a lot of the books that I had in my work library didn't look like the home library that I had. And I really had to pause and reflect on that and think why is why are the two so different? And it's because I was so intentional on the books that I was selecting for my own children. I wanted to make sure I had books for them that looked like them, but also that would teach them about the world that they would enter when they left our home. I wasn't doing the same thing initially at work. I was just using the books that were in my school, the books that the librarian had, the books that the classroom teachers had. And most of those books often featured characters that were either white or animals, but they didn't look like me. And so they weren't sharing experiences that people who look like me would have. Or just seeing that people who are Black, people who are Asian, people who are Hispanic, They all have these everyday normal activities, too, and they can be the stars of books as well. But we weren't, I wasn't sharing those types of stories because I didn't have access to them. So I became super deliberate in making sure that I became more diverse in building my library so it was more inclusive. And then that's when I started sharing the books that I was finding with other folks because I figured if I was having this problem that a lot of other folks who love books probably were having the same issue where you were finding yourself with books that just were not inclusive and reflective of our diverse society.
0: You know, you bring up a really good point. I, I, our our journeys are very similar. I love books. I've always loved books. And I was very, again, like you said, intentional about building my own library for books, for my nieces that would look like them. But when I go, when I went to work, in, or in my own clinic, or I wasn't always seeing those things. And so for mm-hmm. all therapists who are on this live or who listen to this podcast, it is our responsibility to be a little bit more intentional that the therapy materials we work with and the books that we read reflect the clientele that are coming through our doors, guys. Like, yeah. and it's not just for Black SLPs to do. It's all of us. It's all yeah. of us the whole, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I think it's just mm-hmm. even kids that are handicapable, or it's our responsibility to show these things. And so, yeah. yes, you bring up a very, very great point about that. And guys, you know Liam's first cut is, you know, every year our schools let us order materials and, and get these POs, um, orders. I'm sure Tay is able to work with us and get these, that book into your clinic or into your speech room. So let's be more intentional. I, I challenge all of us to, to, to do that. Um, yes, yes. I, I just wanted to add to, um, to your point, though, that
1: you know the, the onus isn't just on, like you said, on um, Black SLPs. And also, if you're not working with a diverse population, there's still a responsibility there for you to make sure that you're presenting a diverse array of material to your students. A lot of times when I'm speaking with groups, you know, they'll say, well, I don't have any Hispanic students at my school, or I don't serve uh, a Black neighborhood or Black community. But you still should be showing your all-white classes that the world consists of people who don't look like them. You should still be exposing them to different stories, different experiences, and different images of different characters so that they recognize that There are people outside of themselves who have similar experiences. It helps to build a healthy knowledge and curiosity and also empathy for people whose lives and experiences differ from them and that also includes individuals with disabilities like we we should have books and and stories that show disabled characters to normalize what it looks like to be disabled but also show like there's a lot of similarities in our lives just because you may need different supports to get through different activities like Liam uses you know social stories and Um, Liam also has a visual schedule in the book you see an image of that too and that was important to me because I wanted to show folks that we all use aids and support to get through our days if I don't write something down on my calendar. It doesn't happen. That's a support that I need to make sure that I get through what I need to do. So um, I think it's important, no matter who you work with, where you work, that you're making sure that you're presenting a diverse array of information to all of your students. It's not just for your Black and brown students. It's for all students. Uh,
0: point made and point taken, absolutely. you oh, you told me. <laughs> no. <laughs> You, yes, you, no, saying, it's not. No, that no, wasn't. No, that was not right. my point. <laughs> no, you're totally right, though, because therapists see kids across the board, and so absolutely, it's mm-hmm. it's hard for us to present kids of of all backgrounds and 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 cultural backgrounds. So I appreciate that. When we have parents that aren't don't love reading as much as maybe you you and I do mm-hmm. but, but what do you tell them to kind of get them <clears throat> on board what would you recommend or what is something that you would say hey start here uh, I always say start with a picture book you can make it up yourself you don't even have to read like I think that's yes. a great thing. um yeah but what what yes. would be some of your suggestions as a speech language pathologist as an author as a lover of books I I often tell parents, don't feel like you have to read the whole
1: book. You don't have to read the book at all. You can just show them the pictures. You can get wordless picture books um, and make up your own stories. And you can also try to get your kids involved by having them pick out the stories with you. Um, a, A lot of times, I remember in my daughter's younger years, she's an avid book reader. So she would request the same book a lot of times, especially if she fell in love with it. And it's common for kids, you know, they love the repetition, that's how they learn. And so if they, if they request the same book over and over again, even though you don't want to hear it, bring it out again. But maybe this time Mm -hmm. now you let them read the book to you. And I say read the book to you. Maybe they're making up their own ending, but it doesn't have to be, it shouldn't be um, a negative encounter when you're reading with your kids. Try to make it as fun as possible. It can be short, skip pages if you need to, only talk about what you see on the pages. Um, and then gradually build on that experience so that they start to really love the experience of reading. And it's really bonding. That's what, really what you're hooking them in with, that you're bonding together during those moments. Uh, and it's a beautiful, wonderful opportunity for you to help to build their language and grow their language development. So. Um, don't skip over it and don't minimize the value of reading books, even if it's not truly reading the book from cover to cover. And you're just looking at the pictures. It's still an opportunity to work on literacy, to work on language, and to bond with your child.
0: Absolutely. I love all that. All of this. Do you have a favorite go-to book? for um, Other than, other than other, mine? Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course I'm in love with Liam's Verse Cut. I can't answer that question the same way, because I'm always finding a new picture book that I fall in love with. Um, I would say I recently found a book. I went to a book, an independent bookstore this week with my oldest daughter in New York City, and I found a book that I had never heard of. And um, it's over oh, it's here. I think it's called The Talk. Yeah, it's called The Talk. And um, I was drawn in by the title. And the illustrations are really beautiful. And then when I read it, it's actually about a mom and a young son and having to have that talk with her son about how the world will view you differently because you're a young Black boy. So as of this week, this book is my favorite book. I love this book a lot. For therapy, for SLPs, I think my go-to books tend to be um, The Name Jar. I adore that book. It's a book that brought me to tears the first time I read it because, Yeah, I'm a simp (laughs) also because um, I remember that feeling of having a name that people didn't pronounce correctly and not wanting to tell adults how to say my name the right way Um, and almost shrinking because you hear over and over again people mispronouncing your name and not not feeling like that's part of me and I need you to respect that from me. So I related a lot to the little girl in the name jar and um, it's just a beautiful story that I use with kids all the way up to middle school. Um, that's definitely one of my go-tos for, for my therapy sessions, the name jar and I would say probably Saturday. Saturday is another book that I really love by Olga Moira um, because it reminds me of my childhood. It's a book about a little girl and her mom that spend their Saturdays together because mom has to work during the week. She doesn't have a lot of time. The little girl's in school, but Saturday is their day where they get to do different activities. But on this particular Saturday, everything goes wrong. So it's more so about recognizing that sometimes that I'm having a growth mindset. Sometimes things won't go as planned, but to be present in the moment and appreciate what you have and who you have. So I
0: adore that book as well. I just might need to re- reread that one again today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this has been so, so incredible. You really are a champion of our stories. I really wholeheartedly appreciate you and what you're doing. I really, really do. Where can people find you and get in contact with you? Can you give them your information? Absolutely.
1: I am on Instagram as having our say. I also have a website by the same name, havingoursay.org. If you go to the website, there is an area there, a tab where you can find my diverse library where I put books up as I find them. And these are books that I've actually read and used, and I recommend for parents and for clinicians, educators, share these stories with your your students and your children. Um, You can find... Liam's First Cut on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, wherever you shop for books, or you can purchase it directly from my website, which is tayjones.com. If you are in a school and you are looking for an author to come visit to have a chat, I'm available. Contact me, hit me up at tayjones.com. And also, if you are looking to do a bulk order for your school, I can help you with that as well. So, those are my email, my website. Um, I'm very active on Instagram, either recommending books or just sharing inspirational thoughts that I have or funny reels. So it's a great place to follow me there and message me there too. If you have any questions, I'm always happy to help as much as I can. So um, I really appreciate you for this invitation and the opportunity to chat with your audience and share a little bit more about my work. And thank you for
0: following and supporting it. You are so incredibly generous to do this for me, for us, for our audience. Thank you so much. Guys, go out and get Liam's First Cut. It's really, really an amazing book. Thank you so much for your time, Tay. You guys have an amazing day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Let's Talk About Talking podcast with your host, Adrian Fuller, language and communications expert for kids of all ages. You can grab Adrian's book, 30 Days to Get Your Toddler Talking, on Amazon or at speechbuilders.org.